Hey, Cam. Yes, Alex. So I, I know you live in a fairly rural part of North Carolina. Is, are, are, is it safe to assume there's there's a lot of farmland out there? Oh, yes. I am surrounded by tobacco fields. Oh, nice. Yeah. Did uh, did did your family or anyone you know ever own a farm out there? Uh, I mean, back back in the early 1900s, probably through the 1950s, my dad's side of the family were predominantly farmers, and then they got into the um, the construction industry. Uh, so they kind of phased out of that. So where we live right now, all used to be old farmland, and then. On my mom's side, um, she had an uncle who was a, a big-time tobacco farmer and also raised livestock, but he, he's passed away now. But yeah, I mean, yeah, some some farming in the in the in the genes. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I, well, I I learned a little something about farming actually from where from watching uh, friend of the show Corey Lester's uh, Instagram stories from a while back. Uh, so he raises chickens. Okay. Um, and I, I noticed that that chicken coops apparently only have two doors. Um, and, and in doing a little bit of research, notice that, that all chicken coops, in fact, only have two doors. Um, and the reason for that is that if they had four, they would be chicken sedans. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast with your hosts, Riley's Race and the Big Chop Man. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves Podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined as always by Mr. Cam Matthews. How you doing today, Cam? What's shaking, Megan? Oh, not too much. It has been a uh, an up and down week for for Braves fans and and for us as well. But before we get into all that, Cam, what are you drinking tonight? Ooh, tonight, Alex, I am drinking a Yingling traditional lager. Uh, Yingling, of course, being the oldest family-owned brewery in the United States, out of Pottsville, Pennsylvania, up in uh, up in Marla's area. Yeah, uh, friend friend and listener of the show, Braves Marla. So a uh, swig of beer for the working man. So funny thing about that, and I was not aware of this until just now when you said that. Yeah. I, too, am drinking a Yingling traditional lager. No way! The oldest brewery, Yingling, <laughs> in Pottsville, Pennsylvania, up by Marla. How about that? That's a first. <laughs> I, li- I, I, I like Yingling, but I never have it in the house. And just out of nowhere, I was at the grocery store yesterday and decided to buy a six-pack. Yeah, I, I enjoy Yingling. Um... As far as it, like, it, in my opinion, it's the best of the cheap beers. Yes, yes. So, like, cheap beer options, I'll I'll either go Miller Lite or Yingling. Um, though those are about as cheap as I'm willing to get. Like, Miller High Life is okay. It, but it is exponentially cheaper than both of these. So you know. Yeah. See, I I I I wore myself out on Miller High Life. Um. Uh, probably in the in the late 2000s, early 2010s. So it's I, I've I've retired. Yeah, I was in high school. <laughs> I, was, I, I was not of drinking age during that time period. And I, and I tell you, I tell you yeah, what's another. There you were with a Miller High Life in your hand. Oh yeah, for sure. Put it'll put hair on your chest. That's for sure. Good. <laughs> I, I tell you, I tell you though, Miller High Life sits like a brick in your stomach. Yes, it does. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, you might as well eat a loaf of bread. And you do not feel great in the morning. No, Even no. Even if you only drink like one or two. Yeah. I, I tell you what's another good uh, uh, cheap beer, but I swear I never, I only ever see it, like I actually have to go to the grocery store to find it. You don't see it in like convenience stores or any or anything anymore. Uh, Coors Banquet. Uh, I see it occasionally. I, I don't. I actually don't know if I've ever had a Coors Banquet. Yeah, it's better than Coors Light. Yeah, so see, Coors Light is like my go-to, like my ballpark beer. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I, it's like water. It just goes down easy. So that's why I go Miller. Great, great taste, less filling. 
See that it's it's that the first word of that catchphrase that I find to be the most debatable. Great. Yes. Okay. I don't find the taste to be great. I mean, it works. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like like middle life one of those things where you know sit out on the back deck and have two or three while you grill supper and you know. Good. good. Let, let me ask. Let me ask you this while we're on the topic of cheap beers. Okay. Uh, you ever you ever enjoyed yourself a Pabst Blue Ribbon? I have. I have. So, uh, funny enough, that is my stepdad's beer of choice, like, to this day. All right? The man is uh, approaching 60, and that's still what he keeps in the fridge all the time. So, because of that, uh, I may or may have not snuck a few PBRs in my heyday back in high school uh, oh, sure. from the from the basement fridge. Yeah. See, if I if I'm just going, you know, spend as little money as possible to have a couple of beers. Um, that that that's one of the ones I'll go to. I'll, I'll definitely take that over like uh, over over a high life or or any of the other super budget beers. Yeah, <laughs> a, a Keystone Light. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> you ever, uh, I remember back like like right when I turned 21, uh, me and my friends were just going and getting the, the cheapest beer with the highest alcohol content we could find. Right. Um, so we always had Milwaukee's uh, best. No, no, no. We, we had a beer <laughs> called Southpaw. Huh. OK. Are you familiar with the Southpaw? I am not familiar with the Southpaw. Oh, boy. It was. Um, uh, I, I want to say it was like six and a half percent or something like that. It was Goodness. it was fairly high alcohol for a cheap beer. Yeah. Um, and it didn't it didn't taste great, but it it got the job done. Goodness gracious. Hey, Southpaw beer from Miller Brewing Company in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> How about that? It's, it's the batch that wasn't good enough to go in Miller Light cans. <laughs> I was going to say it has a two point two out of five on untapped. <laughs> That might be a little bit generous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like back in back in the college days, natural light was always the go to. Oh, God. Uh, fun fact. Natural light is the first beer that I ever tried. Ooh, that's rough. Yeah. So that 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 was my introduction to God's nectar. I think the first beer I ever tried, my my dad always kept some Heineken around. Really fancy, and and I, I don't mind a Heineken nowadays. Um, uh, yeah, but, but for that to for someone who's never had beer before for like their first sip to be Heineken, like that, if you're not used to the taste of beer, that is going to be an extra offensive beer to try. How old were you? Um, God, I want to say thirteen ish. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, that that's I, I was I was probably right around 13, 14 maybe. It was my uncle that gave me a natural light cuz that is his beer of choice. Um and he uh I, I was helping him out like during the summer. You know, he he usually had like a big garden and stuff like that. So, you know, he'd slide me 10 bucks to come help him pick green beans or whatever. And one day he slid a natural light my way and was like, "Here, try that." And like, I don't even think I choked down half of that can. <laughs> like, 13-year-old me was just, like, ready to give up on life after tasting that thing. I think my, uh, my so my first beer that I had legally. Yeah. Um, was actually, I was, uh, I want to say I was 16 years old. And, and I repeat that I had this legally because my, uh. So my mom, as I've mentioned in the past, was uh, was born in Serbia. So growing up, we we took several trips to Europe. Uh, so we went to Germany at one point, and we spent about a week in Munich in South Germany, uh, fam most famous for its beer halls. So, right. Uh, with them having a a much looser restriction on on drinking in Europe, uh, went to uh, to an actual beer garden uh, in Munich and got. Uh, got a, a gigantic stein of some kind of a brown ale. Right. And um, I drank drank the whole thing. I think it was 32 ounces. And for someone who didn't drink, uh, 32 ounces of beer put me down. 
Uh, yeah. Like I was starting to fall asleep on the picnic table we were sitting at, and my dad was like slapping me to keep me awake. <laughs> Don't go to the light, Alex. <laughs> it's like I'm not carrying you all the way back to the hotel. Dang. How uh, how long did it take you to ever try another like brown ale again? Um, probably did in college. Yeah. Uh, every, every now and then, you know, when we had a little bit more money to spend than natural light money, uh, we, we'd go and get like some Newcastle or something. Oh, there, okay. there was a there was a period of time where where Newcastle was like the 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 rich person's beer to me. <laughs> right. Right. Do uh do you have an alcohol that you got drunk off of that you st- still have trouble drinking now to this day that like just you just ruined yourself on um i mean i think everybody at some point has a story about that involving jägermeister yeah uh, um but the the worst to me was uh and and i don't think i even got drunk on this but oh actually there too uh, and both of them were were at the tail end of this same Europe trip that I was just referencing. So when we were in Europe, we went to Serbia. And in Eastern Europe, every country kind of has its own, you know, staple liquor. Okay. Right? So right. I, I think most famously from that area, Greece has one called ouzo. That's a type of brandy that's that's sort of served with every meal, that kind of a thing. Interesting. Okay. Um, well, in in Serbia, it's a it's a liquor called Šlivovitz, and it God is. God bless you. Thank you. It is a plum brandy. Okay. And it is the most vile liquid I have ever set in front of myself. Um, like it was it was one of those everyone's just drinking it warm straight shots like yeah no big deal this is this is what we do here. Um, and I. I at the time, still 16, trying to choke down a little bit of it just so I wasn't completely disrespecting their culture. Uh, that was rough. I won't voluntarily touch that again. Um, and then we were on the way back uh, flying. Uh, we were connecting through Italy uh-huh. and we were in the airport and our flight got delayed. So we were stuck with an extra long layover. So me and my mom were like, all right. Um, this is, this is an extra long layover leading into like a nine hour flight. So we're going to, we're going to go to the duty free store and we're going to find some liquor and we're just gonna, (laughs) we're going to drink before this flight. Right. Um, and so I don't, to this day, we, neither me nor my mom can figure out what led to this decision. Uh, but we wound up with a bottle of limoncello. Okay. (laughs) And, um, uh, not something you want to drink. Not you, something you want to drink in any quantity or right. by itself. You, um, you sound so excited to tell this story. And yet there we were drinking it by itself in quantity. And I don't think I could ever drink limoncello again. Fun. I'm not sure I've ever actually had limoncello. I, I mean, I could imagine it being pleasant if you hadn't had a negative experience with it at some point. Yeah, I can see that. It, it's okay. just one of those, you know, like like kind of like Grand Marnier that's like a, a thick, almost syrupy, like nice one drink after dinner kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I remember... Um, just East, if you will. I gotcha. Yeah, I remember uh, I did some shots of uh, Beef Eater's Gin one time. Oh, that, boy. That was uh, an experience. Yeah, I didn't... I didn't get one that I've never developed uh, much of a taste for. Well, I've that had some cocktails that hide gin in it pretty well that I've enjoyed, but yeah. but for the most part, I I won't touch gin. That's the only time I've ever had it. Uh, it tastes like pine needles, and <laughs> and I I didn't I didn't get sick off of it, but I did have like the worst burps for like three hours afterwards. So every time I burped. I thought I like had like a Christmas tree coming up my throat. That was the worst. <laughs> that was that was not fun. So um, that is uh so 
Oh, I forgot what the that's from the juniper berry that they make it with. Yes, that's what gives it that piney kind of flavor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Uh, yeah. I, I do know, and maybe some of our listeners can can reference me on this uh, and help me out with it. There are some gins out there that use botanicals other than juniper berry as their main ingredient. Well, I think like I think the really popular brand right now is uh, Botanist Gin. Okay. I, I believe like I I see it sponsored a lot on like a lot of like YouTube videos and podcasts and stuff like that. That seems to be and that that's their whole thing is that like they have different botanical flay you know elements in their gin, which is interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So enough booze talk for one day. What uh what have you been up to this week? Well. I guess uh, circling back to the booze, I, I suppose we both have some reason to drink and celebrate uh, this weekend. But I, I, if you want me to, I'll, I'll go first. Um, yeah, go right ahead. Okay. All right. So I mentioned it uh, maybe two or three weeks ago that there was uh, potentially an opportunity for me to call collegiate summer league baseball this summer. And come to find out, that is going to happen. Yes. Um, yeah, yes. so uh, the station that I normally call High School Baseball 4 uh, obtained the rights to uh, the team that we're getting this summer here in my hometown. So I'll be calling 15 uh, summer league games this summer on our local radio station, which is oh, man, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, so, you know, it, it's something that, like, I've always talked about that, you know, when the high school season ends, and, and of course this year it's ending later than normal, but normally the high school season is over um, you know, mid to late May. I think typically the state championship is uh, Memorial Day weekend normally. Um, so, but of course it's a little bit further. But the thing I always wish every year, you know, especially as we get into the summer, I think, dang, you know, baseball is really a summer sport, and I hate not having baseball to to cover during the summer. Well, that changes this year because I'll be covering uh, collegiate athletes this summer, and that's going to be great. Man, that's awesome. Um, yes. <laughs> Like it's probably it's probably as close to either, you know, like actual collegiate or minor league baseball as I'm ever going to get. But boy, does it make me happy. Like, I am very excited about this. Well, I mean, honestly, like, don't sell yourself short, man. There aren't a lot of people in their mid 20s who are already calling wood bat leagues. Yeah, I know. But, you know, I, I just I just try. I try to look at this as just a really cool opportunity and enjoy it. I'm not trying to, you know, like get in over my head about it. But yeah, I'm I'm excited though. I'm I'm very excited. Nice. Well, I, I know I speak for uh, for chatting average nation when I when I say we're all very happy for you there. Thanks, man. And I understand that you had some great news this week as well. Uh yes, absolutely. So so to kind of backtrack a little bit, I haven't talked about it much on the show, but I've I've made a couple of posts here and there on on Twitter referencing it. So we've we've been having a rough time lately with my dog Walter. Uh, Walter is an 11 year old uh, Rhodesian Ridgeback Lab mix. Um, had him since he was four months old. Um, got him at a time when I was uh, a single guy living in a one bedroom apartment. Uh, who had never owned a dog and had no clue what to do with a dog and just, you know, grew up with this guy over the course of the last decades. So uh, this the, this this dog's very important to me. And so last November, uh, we discovered uh, a growth on him that uh, that we and we took him to the vet uh, and he had it removed. And they said that it was uh, it was a benign tumor. So. Okay, you know, he's getting old. At least it's benign. No problem. We got rid of it. We're good to go now. So then come February of this year, just four months later, uh, he's got another one. And, and you know, we went through that whole process the first time. Like, okay, we're going to take him to the vet. We're going to get them to take it off. It's a benign tumor. No big deal. Not so much this time. They come back and tell us that it's cancerous. So uh, that was a a huge, uh, a, really a devastating blow for us because we didn't know what was going to happen from there, really. So so went in, had the surgery again, got that removed, um, and then 
just kind of had to wait it out and see what happened a little bit from there because his scans were all coming back good. So uh, then a, a couple weeks back, uh, another tumor pops up in the same area, all three of these same area. So go back to the vet and they tell us, look, we've we've tried this a couple of times now. We're going to refer you to to someone with a little bit more expertise than than we have. So we end up taking Walter up to the UGA Veterinary Teaching Hospital, which is uh, among the best in the world uh, at what they do. And they handle all animals from from, you know, uh, a parakeet up to, you know, livestock and zoo animals. So we we take him up there. They do they do all the tests that they need to do to ensure that the cancer is not spreading. They they x-ray his chest to make sure it's not in his lungs. They do an abdominal ultrasound to make sure it's not in his lymph nodes. Uh, and those came back good. Um, and the doctor took some samples of the tumor and sent it off to, to the pathologists. But when we left there this past Monday with Walter, what the doctor was recommending was one, that we have him get the surgery again to get it removed. And two, that we follow up the surgery with radiation treatment. And we're like, all right, that's not, we don't really want to put him through that, but you know, one time take him in there, zap it. If we'll be good, then we'll do it. Um, but turns out they were wanting to do 18 to 20 weeks of weekly radiation treatment up at UGA, which is uh, about an hour and a half drive from where I live. And not only that, but they would have to put him under anesthesia every single time we did it. So, so that was we were we were kind of wrestling with that for for the whole night, trying to figure out if if this was something we even wanted to put him through, because uh, that's that's a lot. And then I get a call on Tuesday morning from the same vet, saying, "Look." We sent these samples off to the pathologists. The the mass that has grown is it's it's inflammation from the other surgeries. There is no cancer. So we are rescinding our recommendation of treatment. Your dog's cancer free. Keep an eye on the area to make sure that that this isn't growing, and you're good to go. So. Swig of beer for Walter the good boy. So cheers to cheers to Walter, man. He's he's been through a lot these last six eight months or so, and uh, pulled through it and has a clean bill of health right now, which is I'm I'm almost tearing up saying it. I I can't believe it. Hell yes. Especially with a big dog, you know, you get to you get to like the ten year old range, and and you just there's a part of you that's almost like all right. When's something bad gonna happen? When's something bad gonna happen? Yeah, yeah. So, like in my head, this was this this was it, and I was like trying to trying to make peace with the idea that I might not have one of my best friends for very long. Um, and so that news was the most shockingly good news uh, I I think I've ever gotten. He's gonna outlive us all, by God. I, I hope so. He deserves it. He's the Hell best. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Good stuff, man. Yes. Love it. I made it through that story without breaking. So that's All right. <laughs> me too. Very cool. Very cool, man. It's very happy for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. So that's uh that's our week in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, what do you say we uh look back at some weeks past in baseball history? Let's do it. All right, we are going to jump into this week in baseball history. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. And the week we're going to be looking at is May 17th through the 23rd. Our first fact comes to us from May 17th, 1971. So 50 years ago on this very day that this podcast comes out. Cool stuff. Ralph Gar ties a major league record for home runs in extra innings going deep in the 10th and the 12th with a walk-off homer against the Mets in a Braves 4-3 victory. 
the Atlanta left fielder called the Roadrunner by his teammates, is the fourth player to accomplish the feat and the first to do so since 1966 when New York's uh, Art Shamsky went yard in the 10th and 11th in a losing cause for the Reds at Crossley Field. Nothing like walking off the Mets. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Can you imagine somebody hitting a home run? Like, I, I don't know the last time that we actually saw it, um, but somebody hitting a home run twice in extra innings. I can't even think of that happening, you know, in my memory. Emotions are just like so high and everything. And, and here it comes certainly a- wouldn't happen in Rob Manfred's America. That's for sure. Oh, by golly. Fire Manfred. Get your uh, Fire Manfred t-shirts at teespring.com slash store slash chatting average podcast. We have a wide variety of different chatting average merchandise as well as your favorite Braves players and a new shirt that we just dropped tonight as of this recording, Alex. Isn't that right? Yes. Just goes to show that we listen to the people who listen to us. Uh, one, of, one of our good friends, Bobby Anthony. Bobby! Requested, <laughs> Bobby! Haven't done that in a while. We haven't. We haven't. There Bobby, we go. Bobby requested that we make a Shoeless Joe Jackson shirt that he could wear when he goes up to the ba- Baseball Hall of Fame this summer. So we got on it, and uh, and Cam came up with a great design, and we've got uh, we've got a Shoeless Joe Jackson shirt uh, up on our store right now. So one of our shirts will be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. That's right. You cannot take that away from us. And and my God, when that picture comes up, <laughs> the picture of that shirt at the Hall of Fame, I am going to lose my ever-loving mind. It's going to be great. Gonna, <laughs> I'm still gonna... waiting for the day I see one of our shirts at Truist Park. I'm probably going to cry. <laughs> well, you will definitely have to supply me a photo with that. Oh, oh man. The second I see someone in one of our shirts, <laughs> it's, it's going down. <laughs> hey, I recognize that. I'm I'm knocking over kids and grannies to get to them. I need a picture with you. <laughs> That's a Luke Jackson t-shirt. Come here. It's going to be even funnier if it's like someone I haven't met before. Uh, yeah. Who doesn't recognize me. <laughs> hey, like, can I get a picture of your shirt? What is this uh, guy doing? Why? Security. <laughs> why is this old man hunting me down with his cell phone? <laughs> I'm sorry. Sam, I've only got one microphone. You can't make me do a spit take into it. Just lose the blue Yeti. Be out of commission. Podcast is going to be a little late today. I shorted out my microphone uh, by spitting beer all over it. Cam said something dumb. (laughs) Our next fact comes to us from May 19th, 2011. So 10 years ago this week. In the Rockies' 7-1 victory over Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park, 40-year-old Jason Giambi becomes the second oldest player to hit three home runs in a single game. In 1962, Stan Musial became the oldest major leaguer to accomplish the feat when he hit a trio of round trippers at the age of 41 facing the Mets in the polo grounds. So 10 years ago, uh, Jason Giambi, three home runs in a single game. Cool stuff. Hmm. I wonder what could have propelled him to such greatness. Uh, it was that sweet beard he was rocking when he was made it the, the cover. It was the beard? It, it was the beard. What? <laughs> Look, okay, here, here's my thing. I don't remember A-Rod having a beard. Well, that's because he played for the Yankees, and there was a no facial hair clause. Oh, fair enough, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason, Jason Giavi, we forget about that story that just a few years ago, he tried to make a comeback in, like, in his 40s, and it was awesome. Cool stuff. Cool Absolutely. stuff. All right. Our next fact comes to us from May 21st, 1907. After the Giants' 3 to nothing loss to the Cubs that drops New York out of first place, the players need to form a protective ring around umpires Hank O'Day and Bob Emil. Guards fire shots in the air trying to disperse unruly fans who have spilled onto the polo grounds field. What? Yeah. So, you know, we might send mean tweets to umpires, but by Cam, God. Cam, yes. Cam, I, I think this counts. You can you can say it. Oh, OK. So on May 21st, 1907, we had ourselves a base brawl. Base brawl. Beer, beer, beer. 
thought you were coming in hot with the air horns. I didn't have it ready. I just wanted to hear you yell bass brawl. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> well, nonetheless. So, you know, we might send mean tweets to umpires now, but by God, they were trying to get a hold of Hank and Bob back in 1907. <laughs> hey, speaking of, uh, like, sports officials getting into uh, getting into some throwdowns with fans, I can't remember what country it was, uh, but I remember reading a story a few years ago that it was, there was some soccer match, right? Uh-huh. And the, the the lead referee or head referee or however you refer to him gave uh gave one of the players on the home squad a red card, which ejects him from the game. Correct? Yes. Okay. So after the game, the fans uh for the home team were so upset about this ruling on the field that they found the referee kidnapped him from the stadium and cut his head off. Jesus. Yeah. Um, look, I, I, I enjoy some soccer from time to time, but um, uh, if there's one group of fans in the world that you do not want to make angry with you, it's, it's not football. It's not baseball, it's not rugby or cricket, it's soccer. Like, a group of angry soccer fans might be the scariest thing on planet Earth. Um, so it gets worse, because I just found the article. This occurred in 2013. <clears throat> way, way back, way back. Yeah, eight, eight years ago. You know, before, before we as a culture became civilized. Oh, wait, hang on. I got this story somewhat wrong. So, apparently, a player got into an altercation with this referee on the field. Like, they actually started fighting on the field. Uh, The player threw a punch, and the referee drew a knife and stabbed and killed the player. Excuse me? So then, the fans jumped on the field. Grabbed the referee. He was lynched, quartered, and beheaded. And this just occurred eight years ago in Brazil. Wow. Oh, my (laughs) God. So, please know that it was not my intention to bring this story up (laughs) for this segment, but I just happened to think of it, and now I... always bring the morbid stuff into this segment, though. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm a I'm a true crime guy, so Fair. you know, you know. Uh, so We're just yeah. trying to illustrate how good Angel Hernandez has it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't get to he doesn't get to umpire the World Series, though. Oh no, not oh, the World no. Series. <laughs> is that is that gonna be our dirty diaper voice from now on? I think it might be. Like, oh no, I'm Rob Manfred, and the games take too long. <laughs> I'm Trevor Bauer, and Fernando closed his eye at me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Our, oh last, our last fact comes to us from May 23rd, 1965. Mets, outerfield, Mets outfielder Ron Swoboda takes his position wearing a batting helmet on his foot. After kicking the protective headgear, which gets stuck on his spikes, manager Casey Stengel ordered the young player to go out to the field. So, uh, played, played an inning out in the field with a helmet stuck to his cleats. Huh. Yeah, that's, uh, that's fun stuff. Wouldn't you rather play barefoot? Like, Really? Yeah. How is that, that even possible? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know how this happened. But Casey Stengel was like, by God, Ron, you're going out there for that little temper tantrum you just threw. <laughs> That's funny. Now it kind of makes me like, so you remember uh, like when Brian Wilson got mad after he blew a save and like beat up a Gatorade cooler in the dugout or something? 
It'd, it'd be funny if uh, Bruce Boshi like, made him carry around that Gatorade cooler for, like, the next two days. Yes. <laughs> like, like th- okay, so this is how like, this is how we should handle. Sean Newcomb hands. has to pitch with a uh, with with a fire <laughs> extinguisher. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Jonathan Papelbaum just has to constantly choke Bryce Harper. No, okay, never mind. That's... <laughs> hey, actually, you're onto something. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that has been this week in baseball history. Do with that useless knowledge what you will. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to recap the last week for the Braves and look at what's coming up. If you or someone you know has a small business, you need to check out the creators of ChattingAveragePodcast.com, Goat Web Design. These guys have everything you need to get your small business up and running with an awesome online presence. They'll create your mobile and desktop-friendly website quickly and affordably with responsive service, and most importantly, it'll look amazing. Check them out on Twitter, at Goat Web Designs, on Instagram, at Goat Web Design, or on the internet at GoatWebDesigns.com, and tell them the guys from Chatting Average sent you. So when we last left you guys, we were talking during the uh, the Braves game on Saturday night uh, with the great extra innings comeback against the Phillies. Yes. And we built on that success in the Sunday game that I was lucky enough to get to go to. Uh, actually sat in my season ticket seats for the very first time, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and Braves had another fantastic showing. Braves win 6-1 to one on the back of a, another wonderful start from... Oscar Ainoa gave a six innings pitched, allowing one earned run, only walking one and striking out six. Also went one for two at the plate to continue his hot start from there. Got home runs early from Freeman and then one later from Dansby Swanson. Austin Riley went two for four with a double and it was just an all around great night. Way to way to cap off a, a great series sweep against the Phillies. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Uh, so I take it you had a great Mother's Day at the ballpark. I did, I did. Luckily, uh, luckily for me, my family was celebrating Mother's Day a week late. So uh, as we're recording this on Sunday, that's what I was doing all day before recording. And from there, we get another series with the Blue Jays, who just blew our doors off down in wonderful Dunedin, Florida. Sorry, sorry. I know you guys have heard that 36,000 times from Chip Carey. I just had to throw one of those in there. So Tuesday, March 11th, Braves drop another one to the Blue Jays, losing 3-5. to five. Unfortunately, spoiling a great start from Bryce Wilson, who got called up shortly before the game to, to fill that spot in the rotation. Wilson goes six, inning, six innings full, allowing two earned runs, zero walks, and five strikeouts. Get another home run from Ronald Acuna, his league-leading 11th on the season, and one from Marcelo Zuna, his fifth on the year. Braves were up 3-2 to two going into the eighth inning. Unfortunately, A.J. Minter comes in and just implodes, allowing three earned runs, and Braves end up dropping the game. So had a, had a great chance to win that one. Unfortunately, it didn't go our way, so we got to try and get one back on Wednesday and done. Fortunately, that one didn't go so well as well. The Braves lose 4-1 to one to the Blue Jays on Wednesday. Max Freed finally comes back and gives us six innings pitched, allowing only two hits, one earned run, walking three, and striking out four. Got, a, got a, another home run from William Contreras, his second on the year. Uh, Riley goes one for three with a double and a walk, but unfortunately, all we can muster up to support Max was one run. So Thursday, we've, we're finishing up the series. It is our last game against the Blue Jays all year. Thank, Thank God. God for that. Game starts out great. Had home runs from Swanson. Acuna hit another home run, his 12th on the year. On the first pitch he sees the whole game, which, which we've now grown accustomed to, Charlie Morton gives us four and two-thirds innings allowing seven hits, three earned runs, two walks, and four strikeouts. Braves took a 4-3 to three lead in the eighth, into the eighth before uh, Luke Jackson lets uh, A.J. Minter's earned run score to tie the game. 
Will Smith comes in in a tie game in the ninth and proceeds to allow four earned runs, causing the Braves to lose eight to four. So, guys, we played the Blue Jays six times this season. We are 0-6 against the Blue Jays. I don't know what it is about this team, but that team is our kryptonite. And, uh, and, and hopefully we'll have a chance in the World Series to, uh, to fix that. Well, you know, partner, the Dunedin Blue Jays really seem to have the Braves number. Oh, God. I'm so sick of the word Dunedin. Anyways. Hey, hey, did, hey do you want any dessert? No, nah, I'm Dunedin. Uh, there, the Atlanta Braves fly up to Milwaukee, and things go really well. Braves win the first game of the Brewers series 6-3. to three. Drew Smiley comes up and gives us yet another really, really good outing. Again, six innings full, four hits, one earned run, one walk, and four strikeouts. Uh, Marcelo Zuna and Ozzie Albies each hit their sixth home run of the season. Austin Riley comes in, continues his hot streak, going two for four with two RBIs. And uh, and the Braves kind of turn that around right after uh, getting another series sweep from the Blue Jays. Start the series off with the Brewers looking really good. So Saturday comes around. Ian Anderson comes in and takes a no-hitter into the seventh inning. Ends up going six innings allowing two hits and one earned run, walking four and striking out four. But, man, it, it's – he's so good, guys. <laughs> yeah, so – So good. So I was I was out with the Mrs. Uh, last night for an overdue date night, and I'm sitting there at supper, and I, I kind of just kind of kept, you know, keeping an eye on my phone to see where the score was going. I saw us jump out to another, you know, quick four-to-nothing lead, and, you know, then it's the third inning, and it's the fourth inning and then it's the fifth inning and I look and I realize oh the Brewers have not gotten a base hit yet yes. okay they had base runners they did not have any hits yeah he's I, I think this kid's good this is like the third or fourth time he's he's taken a no hitter deep uh you know I think we talked about it was either last week or week before last where we talked about as much as we heard about, like, Freed and Soroka, you know, Ian Anderson is probably going to end up being the best of the bunch. I, I'm I'm here for it, man. I, I truly believe he will be at this point. And since you brought it up, it's something we need to talk about. Unfortunately, we got some pretty bad news regarding Mike Soroka this week. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, so uh, apparently he was feeling some discomfort in that in that surgically repaired Achilles tendon while while just walking around. So now they have to go in and do exploratory surgery to to, to determine what if anything went wrong with the Achilles surgery. Safe to say we are not going to see Mike Soroka in 2021. And you know what? If if we're just going to end up taking an abundance of caution, you know, I would rather not see Mike this season. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Then, you know, for him to even like try to come back for August and something horrific happen. You know what I mean? Like, right, right now, now hopefully, you know, I mean, it is just exploratory surgery, but it is surgery nonetheless. So yeah. uh, there's going to be recovery time simply from that. But, um, you know, I, I, I would be absolutely shocked if we see uh, if we see Mike Soroka on a major league baseball pitching mound any earlier than opening day uh, 2022. Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm not I'm but not yeah, I mean, anymore. do what's best for the kid. Keep him out of the game as long as you need to to make sure that he's going to be OK. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> so that's disappointing, but the Braves get the win, winning uh, five to one in the second game against the Brewers. Biggest story of the game. Freddie Freeman hits his 10th home run of the season, giving him 250 for his career, joining Hank Aaron, Eddie Matthews, Dale Murphy, Andrew Jones and Chipper Jones as the only players in history 
to hit 250 or more home runs in a Braves jersey. That is fantastic stuff. Quite, quite a list he joined there. Uh, yeah, yeah. What just what what a what a career for Freddie so far. It is so cool. Give him the extension now. It'll happen. God, if it doesn't, this show, this the show problem, won't exist the anymore. Is, so. Last season conditioned me to treat every game as though it's, it's you know, like very high leverage, high stakes. And now right. that we're back to 162-game season, I'm having difficulty letting go of the every game matters mentality that we had to have last year. Right. Well, you're going to learn. And I think that's the case with a lot of Braves fans because we're, I, I, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm overblowing it a bit, but I feel like we're living and dying with each game maybe a little more than we had prior to seeing a 60-game season. Yeah, yeah, I think I think everybody's forgotten, you know, that the season really is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, to that point, say, Alex, uh, 2019, what kind of pace did the Braves have at this point? Ooh, I want to say they started out, uh, what was it, 19 and 20, 19 and 21, something like that? Oh, you mean two games under 500? Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. You don't say. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. We'll get right back to that shortly. But to uh, to finish the recap for the Saturday game against the Brewers, uh, Braves all around had a great day at the plate. Freddie Freeman, as we discussed, hit that home run his 10th of the year. William Contreras comes in, hits a home run, his third of the year. Ozzie Albies goes three for five at the plate, uh, including a double, two for four from Contreras, two for four from Freeman, two for four from Ozuna. And and it was just one of those games that everything was clicking, whether it be on the mound or at the plate. Love to see it. So come into Sunday, hoping to get the series sweep in Milwaukee. But, you know, uh, at the end of the day, you already took two. So you're playing with house money at this point. Oscar yeah. Anella comes in and, and has his first really rough outing of the season. Um, as, as well as he's pitched so far, can't get mad at the guy for having one rough outing. Went four and a third innings, allowed nine hits, five earned runs, walked two and struck out six. Almost more surprisingly at this point, went 0 for 2 at the plate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was waiting for some kind of knock, but yeah. <laughs> And uh, and the Braves found themselves down eight to nothing. I repeat, the Braves were down eight to nothing before the Brewers. And I will I will steal Chip Carey's word here words here. Uh, the Brewers started playing defense as though the baseball was a live hand grenade. Yeah, that got weird. It got really weird, and so the Braves just started tacking on runs, <clears throat> tacking on runs because. The, the Brewers could not hold on to the baseball. And then I, I think I read somewhere that um, the Braves scored like five runs on a matter of like three or four pitches at one yes. point in that inning. Yes, like, it was insane. It was wild. So, okay, so so we're down eight to nothing. We eight put, to nothing. We, uh, we, get, we get three on the board. We get three on the board. Uh, bases get loaded for one Frederick Charles Freeman, who now is a prolific Grand Slam hitter. Hits his 11th home run, clearing the bases, a third career grand slam for Mr. Freddie Freeman. When I tell you (laughs) that I laughed so hard that I started coughing, I mean it. Um, I, that was one of those where I screamed, oh my God, I can't believe he did it, um, while my wife was trying to nap. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and i promptly hear the bedroom door slam closed right afterwards alex shut up <laughs> basically yeah but man what a, what a nine years without a single grand slam and now uh, uh for, i think less than a year later he's got three that's yeah insane love it G- gave him 11 home runs on the season Dansby Swanson chipped in, going two for four with an RBI. Austin Riley goes two for two with three walks. I think 
I think it's time to start talking about Austin Riley as as maybe having one of the best eyes in baseball. This guy, this guy's on base percentage is 405 right now. He is he is fourth in the major leagues among qualified hitters in on base percentage. He gets on base. I mean, and I I said this on Twitter and, and, you know, I'm, we're, we're average chatters here. I'm not, I'm no, I'm no expert in analytics or anything like that, but to me. Who do you think I am? Dylan Short? (laughs) It seems like at some point pitchers are going to get real tired of walking Austin Riley because this guy is taking a ton of walks and getting on base for free a lot. And if if I'm right in thinking that and and pitchers start getting sick of walking this guy, they're going to start have to they're they're going to have to start throwing him strikes. And if they start throwing him a lot of strikes, I think there's at least a chance we could see one of those power streaks that we saw from Austin Riley when he first came up. And oh boy, would that be fun. Oh my god, you I would get muted by everybody on Twitter. <laughs> you would never be able to shut me up. Yeah. Um. So I guess the one thing that we do have to bring up about this weekend. Well, uh, let, um, let me let me finish this up. OK, 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 uh, go, go ahead, go ahead. We, we 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 didn't talk about the end of the game. Unfortunately, it didn't go all the way as well as we thought. The the Brewers were up eight to nothing. Uh, Braves come back to get within one run, scoring seven runs in the seventh inning. Uh, Brewers tack on a couple more on the back of some some highly questionable bullpen management from Brian Snitker. And 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 guys, I am. I we as a show uh, have been some of the the biggest supporters of Brian Snicker during his run with the Atlanta Braves. I mean, we have an I Heart Snit shirt in, available for purchase in our store, but some of the decisions he's been making this season uh, have have been difficult to to support him on. Um, one of those decisions being. When the Braves score seven runs to to get within a run in this game, a game that all of a sudden out of nowhere seems winnable, putting in Josh Tomlin. Like, why? 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 This guy has allowed 16 earned runs in his last 12 innings. Yeah, Tomlin's been bad. Um, really bad. I mean, you even think about like Friday and night. And I like Tomlin. Yeah, like, like I I I was a hundred percent on board with him being our our long relief guy again this year. And my only guess for today is that Tomlin was up warm and ready at the point that we were down by eight, so he was probably just going to be sent in for like a couple of innings to eat it up. And I understand that that inning happened very quickly, but. I I don't know. I still wonder about just not at, you know, not having somebody else ready. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, and and all the credit in the world to I believe it was Mark Bowman in the uh in the post-game press conference uh for asking him about that pretty pretty directly. Um to which Snicker got seemingly fairly defensive and, and kept saying that that they had three or four guys in the bullpen who who were down today, like they had just pitched too much and they couldn't go. Now, if you're talking about Will Smith, I get that. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, he had pitched, I, I want to say, three consecutive games and had pretty rough outings where he threw a lot of pitches. So so that one makes sense. Um uh, and there were even some people who were who were saying uh, that there was a good reason for for Martin not to be brought in the game. Uh, Martin has I didn't understand that one as much. He's only pitched he, he's pitched two innings uh, since coming back up. Uh, two innings over the course of three games. And you're telling me he wasn't available? I'm 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 not quite buying that one. 
We had Tyler Matzik, who apparently was warming up in the pen at the end of the game, which is a, a suboptimal time for him to be warming up. Um, I, I, God, I really just think there were better moves to be made there. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not, not rooting for him to get fired, not, not rooting for him to be replaced immediately, but you know, bunch a couple of decisions like that makes it pretty hard to to defend the guy. Well, my hope is, you know, we, if you remember, there was the infamous, uh, infamous Washington series last season with the Friday doubleheader and then the Saturday blow up game where. You know, Charlie Culberson got put on the mound in a very close game for some reason, and, you know, things of that nature, right? Yes. But, if you recall, after that, you know, the bullpen management vastly improved for the rest of the season. My hope is that maybe there was a phone call that took place this afternoon, and, you know, maybe it's a quick, hey, let's uh, let's think about what we're doing here. Yeah, ultimately the Braves end up losing the game 9 to 10, which is a pretty impressive showing in a game where you're down in the 7th inning, 8 8 runs to nothing. Well, you know, partner, the Braves might not always win, but they give you a finish. Uh, goo. <laughs> Uh, so they take two out of three from the Brewers to close the week, so so we we get to record on a fairly happy note for once. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, I, we still went, what, three and four this week? Yep. But, like, yep. it, I mean, as bad as the Blue Jays series was, we don't have to worry about that again this year. And the Milwaukee series really altogether was a good series. I mean, you yeah. know, even and, it, in both the Friday and Saturday night games, it just felt like we were in control the entire time. You know what I mean? right. right. And the thing that's the thing that's very encouraging from this past week for the Braves is, uh, with the exception of of today's start from Waskari Noah, uh, I believe every single outing, uh, except for Morton's uh, against the Blue Jays, uh, we got one, two, three, four, five out of the last seven outings. Pitchers have gone six innings. The starting um, pitchers, and, and you know. For for a team that has a substandard bullpen, that's big. That's huge. That's yeah. huge. Uh, I mean, if we can get that kind of pitching consistently, we're going to be in a lot more ball games than we've been in so far. And the, the and, bats feel like they're really coming around. I mean, yeah, I, I understand to be coming around. I, I mean, I, I understand coming around. We just need we need more from the bullpen, and yeah. uh, and and that's that's going to take moves being made. Yeah, I, I just – but also I think about guys like Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson. You know, you, you've got them just sitting in AAA at this point. Like, why why couldn't they be high-leverage guys at this point? Especially a guy like Bryce Wilson who's, like, shown his stuff. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's getting very close to time to say goodbye to, to, to Josh Tomlin. And uh, yeah, I, I think I've, he's gone. I've been ready to say goodbye to Jacob Webb. Give me Wright and Wilson out of the pen instead of those two, and all of a sudden I feel a lot better about our bullpen. I I think Jesse Biddle is gone before Jacob Webb is. I'm good with that too. Cause baby, here's 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 what I I would like to see. Either either designate or option Tomlin, Biddle, and Webb. Bring up. Wright and Wilson for relief, and then bring up Orlando Arcia, who we who we picked up for for positional depth to to extend our bench by one, which is something I think we desperately need. Yeah, uh, and to give Dansby some days off occasionally because he's he's playing a lot and he could use some time to to you know relax and regroup. He's he's the only starter who hasn't had a day off, right? I think so. Even Freddie got a day off. Yeah, and everybody was convinced that he was just leaving, leaving town, and that that yeah, was we it. Had, that we had traded him to the Angels. God, we had pe- people were like seriously on the edge that day. It yep. was weird. <laughs> so what uh, we got going uh, this week, Alex? 
Well, that that takes the Braves' record to 19 and 21, still flirting with 500, but not quite there. Coming up, starting on Monday, we've got a three-game set with the New York Mets. Is that the first time we've seen them this season? I think it is. It is, and that it seems late in the year to be seeing uh, a division rival for the very first time. But here we are. We've got a three-game series. My God, we've had two series against the Cubs and uh, the Blue Jays. Blue Jays and <laughs> so what, we a, got, what a weird got, schedule. We got Monday Night Baseball on ESPN against the New York Mets with Max Fried taking the mound up against Taiwan Walker, who has quietly been the the Mets' second best pitcher all all year. Yeah, uh, he's got a he's got a sub three ERA, so that's going to be no walk in the park for us. Hopefully, we can ride that home crowd to a victory there. On Tuesday, we're, we've got a 7:20 start with Charlie Morton taking the mound for the Braves. No announced pitcher for the Mets yet. Uh, presumably, they'll call someone up to fill that spot. I believe that is the open spot that is has been vacated by uh, by Jacob Degrom stint on the IL. Yep. Uh, hopefully he gets well soon, but after these next couple of Mets series with the Braves. Wednesday, we've got the series ender against the Mets at 7:20. We got Drew Smiley taking on David Peterson uh, of the Mets, who uh, who's got a 4.86 ERA, a lot of strikeouts, but uh, allowing a lot of runs this season. So hopefully we can capitalize on that. From there, the Pittsburgh Pirates come to town. Start with a 7:20 game on Thursday against the Pirates. Ian Anderson back on the hill for the Braves against Will Crow for the Pirates, uh, who stands at 0-2 on the year with a 4.35 ERA. On Friday, we've got a 7:20 start with Waskar Anoa taking the mound, looking for redemption, going up against the Pirates. Tyler Anderson, a, uh, a 6-2 lefty out of Las Vegas who's sporting a 3-3 record with a 3.50 ERA so far this season. On the Saturday game, we've got a 4-10 afternoon start with Max Fried taking the mound against Mitch Keller, 6-2 righty out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, with a 2-5 ERA uh, and a 7-16 or sorry, 2-5 win-loss record with a 7-16 ERA. Uh, another game the Braves are, Braves offense should look to capitalize on. On Sunday, we've got the series finale against the Pittsburgh Pirates with Charlie Morton back up on the hill, taking up JT, taking on JT Brubaker of the Pirates, a uh, 6-3 righty out of Springfield, Ohio. He's got a 3-2 win-loss record and a 2.58 ERA. Looking like that's going to be the best pitcher we'll see during that whole Pirates series. Uh, so got to get a couple of games from them early to make sure uh, they don't pop up and surprise us there. I am dreading this series. It's a trap series. The Pirates aren't playing as bad as we thought they would. Uh, yeah, the, these are these are the ones that I hate. Like these are the ones I absolutely dread. Yeah, yeah, they, they've they've been they've been playing. I don't want to say well, but but certainly better than we expected them to. Um, they are uh, they are last in the Central. But they're only six games out of first place. They're 17 and 23. So th- this team's out there winning some games. Yeah, they're not. As, I mean, there's still plenty of time. They're not as bad as we thought they were going to be. They're not. They could, they could they're be not later. Detroit Tigers bad. They they could be they could be that bad later, but they're not right now. And right now is when we got to play them. So I uh, got a got seven games in seven days this next week, guys. Hopefully, uh, bats stay hot off the heels of that uh, that series in Milwaukee. And uh, and we're coming back to you next week this time, talking about a, a pretty successful week. Hey, you see uh, the two games set that we've got after this pirate series. We've got uh, yeah yeah so uh, you know after we play the pirates, we go into next the next week with a two game set against the fighting Josh Goldbergs, the Boston Red Sox. I would hate to see an army of Josh Goldbergs. <laughs> That would, I mean, it's bad enough having one of him running around. <laughs> Good Lord. Let alone one that lives close enough to you to just walk over to your house. Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. Hey, that means, uh, that means we might get a, get a special call on next week's show. Quite possibly. You know, but if, but you know, if, if, if he's, if he's not that. too busy with his uh, mayor duties. What, yeah. what I don't want to have happen 
is for for Josh and you to put some kind of wager on it. Because God forbid if uh, the Braves lose the series, everyone knows you're not paying off your bets, Cameron. I don't know what you're talking about. Hmm. I feel like somebody owes me a, a video uh, of them performing Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus. Kind of asshole agrees to that. Oh, Lord. Get out of here, buddy! That's going to do it for this this episode of the Chatting Average Podcast, guys. For the guy who doesn't pay off his bets, I'm Alex. We'll see you all next week <laughs> for another brand new episode. Bye! With that, we've reached the end of the show. If you want to connect with the show, you can contact us via text or voicemail at 678-242-9408 or on Twitter at Average Chatting. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash chattingaverage. We'll see you all next week on another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast.